Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katazi, and today we're talking about memory with the grandmaster of memory, Matthias Ribbin. More specifically today, Matthias is going to share with us how to greatly improve our ability to learn new things by strengthening our memory muscles and in turn lead a richer, more fulfilling life where experiences, information and wisdom just sticks and forms the basis of even greater self-development and a growth mindset. I don't know about you, but I am so impressed by people with incredible memories. I mean all. Sure, incredible feats of memory are cool, but likely not that practical in the real world. But I don't know, you just know that their skill, if harnessed, could add tons of value to their lives and others around them. And uh, (laughs) my memory is a little strange, to be honest. On one hand, I'm really strong, really strong at retaining and understanding lots of technical and complex details. But I am next to useless when it comes to remembering little details of the past. If it's not current, I lose it. I'm also terrible at memorizing lyrics, phone numbers, and short-term memory competitions. However, I know others who have incredible encyclopedic knowledge of the past or can remember where everything in the house is or the details of experiences from years ago. What makes our memory skills so different from person to person? Is a great memory just for the genetically gifted, or can it be learned? What are some of the most powerful techniques that great learners and memory experts use? How can you consistently retain more of what you read and got taught? Does lifestyle and diet affect your memory and learning skills? Lots of fascinating questions, and all wonderfully answered by Matthias on this podcast. I am pretty sure you're going to dig this episode and find it super interesting and inspiring. And if you do, give the episode a quick five-star rating in your podcast app. And to get a full rundown of everything we discussed with Matthias, plus leave comments, head over to the show notes in your podcast app and click the full show notes link. So here we go. The engaging, fascinating and clearly talented Matthias Ribbon on boosting your memory and learning. So guys, I have been pursuing the individual who's about to speak in a moment for over a year. Now, our schedules are always busy and this guy is no exception. He is uh, regarded as the He's got the international title of Grand Master of Memory. He's um, held the Swedish memory champion record for three years in a row. He's memorized incredible amounts of data. And he is really a leader worldwide in helping people optimize their learning and engineering understanding. He's had a fantastic TEDx talk that we'll link to. And he's also an author of a few books. And we're going to speak about one of those in a second. He's a speaker, an educator, uh, a brilliant mind, witty, funny, and yeah, I just can't wait to get us going. So without further ado, let's get this guy speaking on the mics. It's Matthias Ribbon. Good oh, morning. Wow. 
Thanks, Steve. What an incredible introduction. I have stuff to live up to here, but that's that's great. Yeah, well, as I say, it's been it's been a long time in the making this conversation. I know we tried to um get it timed with in the book release in English, which has just recently happened. So yeah. before we get into much else, let me just let's just call out what that book is. It's called Maths Unwrapped, isn't it, Matthias? Yeah, it's one of my books. I've written four books. I'm in the process of writing my fifth at the moment, but I write in Swedish. But now uh, a big British uh, publisher has discovered this book and it's now released. So it's called Maths Unwrapped, The Easy Way to Understand and Master Mathematics by Using Memory Techniques, which has not really been done before, I would say, because, you know, I tackle this memory issue a little bit different than many others, because my prime interest in is learning and understanding, really getting to the bottom of stuff. So that's what we're going to do here for this hour to get deeper, not just memorize stupid facts or phone numbers. We don't even need that anymore. But what do we need and how can we increase this capacity of learning in our everyday life that can be real useful to us? That's my mission, so to speak. So let's start from the beginning then. Let's start with how this became your mission. Yeah, I was working as a teacher and having this huge interest in uh, pedagogique, how we learn, I wanted to know if we can't if we can grow this learning muscle somehow so we can learn anything much more efficient so i was got my got into the research and you know i was 28 by this time just like any other uh, person i didn't have any special grades from school no special skills but i got into this and i saw that wait a minute you can gain control over our brain's ability to learn you can gain control over this. So I could all of a sudden I could start to decide what I wanted to take in and be sure later that the information was there when I needed it. So this started with a bit of training and learning about the brain. And I was almost annoyed, irritated learning this because I thought back on all those years in school that you put down so many hours, so much effort, often working completely against how our brain works. So from that day, I wanted to change this. I discovered this thing called memory competitions, memory sports, uh, which I enjoyed a lot and competed in intensively for a couple of years because this is so measurable. That's the thing. So uh, I got this uh, throughout competing. I was a proud member of the Swedish national team of memory sports going around the world competing in these competitions. And I was awarded with the title uh, Grandmaster of Memory, which has certain criteria. I could take that also in just a minute if, if you want to know. Uh, you know, when we compete in memory sports, there uh, we compete in a decathlon. So there's 10 events. You have to learn everything from uh, numbers, words, names, faces, sounds, images, using your brain for almost anything. And uh, one of the criteria, for example, in uh, to become a grandmaster, it's in the discipline of one-hour numbers. And uh, it works like this, that you get a bunch of papers with just random digits, more, more than you could ever learn, and we get to stare at these for an hour. And uh, 
after these hours, we get a clean sheet of paper and a pen, and we have to write down the exact order of as many as we can. And to become a grandmaster, you have to write down the exact order of at least 1,000 digits without a single mistake. Wow. So that scares me just thinking about that. I don't think I could do eight. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. No, but that's the thing. Nobody can. I couldn't before I was 28. But then I started to understand that this is something you learn. This is upping your strategies. And what I saw from competing in memory sports also that everyone who's ever competed in this sport has all trained this stuff. There's no one born with these kinds of feats that is needed for a memory competition because it's just too complex. So that that's where the whole thing started. So that's incredible. I, uh, then I got to, uh, since my prime interest is in education, I could uh, uh, write books. I've been working in this field now for uh, a little bit more than 10 years. In Swedish, written four books and they're now uh, being discovered uh, outside of Sweden and I'm around been invited to Harvard Business School and been to big conferences in uh, Los Angeles and uh, Moscow and doing more and more international stuff. So obviously this is now, this is your life, right? Uh, teaching, teaching learning, I guess, teaching how yeah. to learn and engineering how to understand. Um, memory itself and it is quite often like if i think through if i think about memory or people with great memory i think of two characters i think of the the rain man type autistic person who just has this robotic photographic memory and you know they they're, they're considered almost freaks freaks of nature and yeah. then you have the other individual that comes to mind which is just the the intellectual the person who just seems to be genius like you know those kind of child prodigies that can just remember loads of things whether it be maths or or, or or looking at things and you can't help but to attach memory with intelligence assuming they go hand in hand talk to me a bit about is you say memory is learned but people do yeah. often think about you know rain man type characters or genius characters is it genetic for the most well, part or, or not Speaking of those special kinds of uh, savant people who have these incredible feats, when you study this phenomena uh, more closely, you see that many of these stories are greatly exaggerated. You know, there have been uh, like BBC documentaries and stuff, uh, one called Brain Man, about one person who learned Icelandic in a week and uh, these things. But when you study it closer, you know, that guy is a complete fraud, for example. He used to compete in memory sports uh, well before, do, uh, under a different name. He had trained all those skills, but then claimed he got everything from an uh, epileptic uh, seizure and then became this mysterious guy. And, you know, the guys who created the documentary, they didn't even want to know this story which everyone in memory sports know, and it's fully fact-checkable. So there's many of these uh, things. Another guy, you know, the Stephen Wiltshire, incredible guy who can draw from a helicopter exact uh, how, how a city looks like. He makes, he's not exact, but they show the exact images on the screen, and these are the stories that get uh, carried through. So when you look at uh, this from more scientific uh, aspect, you know, photographic memory, it's a myth. It doesn't exist. 
Okay. You know, it comes back from, you know, in 1975, there was a huge uh, story. There was a, they found a, a girl called Elizabeth who had claimed to have photographic memory. They published articles uh, about her in Nature, the big journal. But what they saw that Elizabeth, she only allowed one professor to test her and she married him. And so no one else had seen her uh, memory feats at all. And they had to be uh, subtract that. And then they searched after that throughout the world, trying to find other people with real photographic memory. And they said they don't exist. You know, the savant people, they have some skills and maybe some small things, but they can never generalize that. So that's why a sort of a memory competition is far too complex and sort of a uh, normal way of life. It's too complex. Uh, so that that's really a special small thing. But the good news is that this is all to really become good with in learning and so on. You Anyone can learn that. And I am one proof started at 29 and reached those levels. And, you know, I worked with people up until, uh, yeah, one woman who worked really intensely with me, she was 75 when she started. She had some time extra and wanted to train her uh, memory. And what the key is where that I taught her and many others that it's all about learn to think in images. And this can be made in a controlled fashion. So strictly step by step, this is nothing that you have to be bored with a visual mind or anything like that. We all are. So, uh, so you, step by step, you can train your brain to really master, to, as you said, engineer knowledge. This is something that we can gain control of. And your original question there, what is memory in a way? Well, to start this, we can say that um, we learn when we have experiences. That's how we learn, because mm. in a real experience, that's the best way for our brain to learn. When we're out, we're doing something uh, extraordinary and some, that sticks out from normal uh, routines, we learn because then the brain connects together all sorts of previously unrelated phenomena. It connects them together. And I mean, have you ever had the experience that you uh, listen to something in headphones, a podcast, maybe, when you're out, you listen to that, and then maybe weeks later, the same topics come up in a different uh, situation, and immediately, you know where you were when you listened to that podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I get that often. Yeah. So that that's the thing. So the, the, the brain creates a bigger experience. But then, I mean, even now, I can throw out the first tips. I mean, something so people can really prove to themselves that they can learn much quicker. I mean, if you have something that you must read, if you study or if you just want to learn something, you should never sit at your desk to read the whole uh chapter through. I mean, that that's a total waste of brain capacity. What you should do is to do uh, place reading. We can call it place reading, which works like this, that you sit by your desk and you read only the first uh, part, the first uh, sort of segment uh, of the text. And then after that segment, you take uh, your stuff and you go to another room. You Maybe you stand in the kitchen, lean against the kitchen window, you read the second segment. 
Then you take your laptop or book, you go into the toilet, sit on the toilet lid, lid read the third uh, bit. Then you go into the living room, you lay down on the couch, uh, read the fourth bit and so on. If it's nice weather, you go out, sit on the bench, read the fifth and so on. What happens then if you read through the whole your material that, that you have to uh, learn, maybe it's like um, 20 uh, segments or so, what happens after this placement reading is that all of a sudden you can immediately retell the most important things from each segment without missing a single thing. So you can just, without any outer uh, support, because your way, your brain can then find its way back to those experiences which coincided with your learning. And this is such a powerful boost that doesn't require any training. I mean, and no, no uh, uh, difficult techniques or so on. You can just start to do this immediately and have great use for it. And the the reasoning behind this is really to connect the learning experience with a some kind of physical, um, both visual and physical experience. Therefore, you can attach the learning to that, and it strengthens. Is 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 that the kind of premise, or the in a, a neurological level, what's happening? Yes, you can say that. But as a matter of fact, we always have these experiences. So there is no learning without simultaneous physical aspects. I mean, you uh, sitting on a chair, you are mm. standing, you have a certain uh, view in the periphery, and so on. There's always this going on, and the brain needs that. And you can sort of direct this in a more efficient way to help your learning. So this is the first step. You know, the next step. And we who, who train this and have learned is that you can then, with visualization, you can create your own inner simulated experiences. So you can have full control, but you don't need to run around uh, in the park and so on. But yeah, it you does can sound use quite that. tiring if you're reading a big book. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know. But then you go to the next step, and that's when you start to visualize what you read and transforming it into images. But, uh, so that's the idea behind the things, that you start to create your own experiences, and you start to create the connections in the brain that you need. And these connections are never, I mean, when you read, if you study the law, I mean, the law always, everything is represented by experiences. So this is, in a way, it's not artificial at all because all the all learning is about connecting new information to something you already know. Mm. So th- th- this is also a super important key when you need to learn. And it's all about, you can see it physically in the brain, you know, different neurons connecting together, but it's also very practical that different phenomena are connected together. And do you know this? Uh, in Swedish, we call it the brain Teflon syndrome. You know, when we when we listen to something and it all pours off us like water from a, you know this Teflon frying pan. Uh, so a few hours later, is is as if you were not there at the lecture. Or oh whatever. yeah, yeah. I'm you sure know what we, I mean? we've all experienced that. You know, the the dogged determination to try and you know remember something, but for whatever reason, it's going in through one ear, coming out the other, or as you say, just like bouncing off of you. Frustratingly, yeah. 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 And I can give you a cure for it. 
because it has to do with the fundamentals of the brain. The reason is, this thing that I said that new information has to be connected to the old, when you experience this brain Teflon syndrome, it's because the new, the information you listen to, it's too new. It's too new, too detailed, so it cannot connect to something you already know. So there, you know, when I work with school, uh, school children, we have what we call the stop exercise, uh, which is when you don't understand, stop. Don't sit, read the same thing over and over again. Just hope that something will happen. I mean, that's that's the situation where you're completely drained out of energy. You think you 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 get worse and worse self-esteem and so on. You know, doing the exact same thing again and again. That's needed when we learn to play the piano, for example. Then you need the same scales. But when it comes to understanding something new, we need something different. So what I do with school children then, as we adults should do, it stop. And then, here comes the cure. What we should do is to always start with Googling short summaries. So if you have a new area that you need to learn, need to get into at work or in school or whatever, always start Googling short summaries to really always start from the whole of things, not getting into details, you know. So you shouldn't start with your uh, the big theoretical books full of details and so on because your brain has no space. You need to format your hard drive up there to give it some folders, which is what happens when you read summaries. So, is, so always would, start would, from... Would this be like... Sorry, interrupt there. No, no. Apologies, Mrs. Would this be like either listening to Blinkist or um, reading, you know, the contents page and actually engaging with the contents page yes. before reading the rest of the text. Would either of those things be valuable alternatives to uh, Googling a subject before you both, read on it? Both, both. That the whole thing is to start from the whole and then go to the details, okay. not the opposite around. And many people who do this intuitively, maybe you already know about it, but what happens is that what you do is you prepare your brain for deeper understanding. That's what people don't think. They think that the, the thick, uh, detailed book will give you deeper understanding. It won't, because if you start with that, the only thing you can do is just to re recite more or less what was in that book. But if we read many different some the knowledge to different areas in life and different phenomena. So you immediately start to start with a deeper uh, understanding. And then when you have, you know, you know, we've started from the table of contents, uh, listen to a Blinkist uh, thing. Uh, then you know some of the areas, what's included, what's not, some of the main themes and so on. And then when you go into the uh, detailed uh, books, then they will stick. The new things will attach to something that you already know, which is always attached to your experiences. That, I mean, that's the thing, you know, if, if we remember looking at a, a lecture and so on, uh, maybe the, the lecturer, we can't really remember anything, but he made a crude joke about his wife and you remember that thing. Mm. Why? Well, experiences, isn't it? we yeah. could connect it to an experience and understand it. But uh, but what happens is that, wait a minute, yeah, he told that joke. But at the same time, he was talking about this area. He was going through that slide. Oh, wait a minute. So your brain can start slowly to unpack something, even out of an unrelated experience like that. 
because our, our bodies and brains are full of unrelated experiences all the time and they have to be get connected that's the only thing that we can relate because that's what we do we relate and we can do it consciously so maybe we can just get back to the brain for a second because what you're describing for the most part is is i think intuitive or at least people understand what you're talking about in terms of how our brain our, our brains engage and recite informational or uh, recite experiences but if we get back to the brain itself that gray matter um I'm, I'm hearing you know perhaps the way our brain organizes information is both hierarchical and connected like it's about connecting the dots between experiences to strengthen them um i also hear a lot about so whether it be matthew walker or others kind of sleep experts talk about oh yeah sleep um it's about really getting rid of most of the noise because we we consume so much information most of which we're unconscious to um you know all the you know the noises the the sounds uh, the visual experiences most of which we bin at night but we we keep the bits that are important we start to connect those with other past experiences and that strengthens our memory strengthens our ability to recite and learn and understand the world differently could maybe you just double click into that a little bit and just at the brain level like what is happening to make what you're describing at a practical level so important yeah all these things super important and dream let's connect this to what uh, sleep and dreaming does. And just first, let's insert here a visualization training 101. I mean, the key which people have missed that this is so concrete, trainable step by step, what you need to control those inner experiences. I mean, what you could do right now is to try to, with your eyes open, remain open and try to visualize an apple just to take something. Mm-hmm. If you, can you, can you get, get a glimpse of an apple in front of you? Yeah. With your eyes open, you should never close them, you know, because you need, this is, can be, it's even better when your eyes are open. And otherwise it becomes a hassle when you want to read and visualize, always closing your eyes, blinking and stuff. But we have the apple there. And, uh, you know, f- for many people, it's, it's super vague. That's, that's the thing. What, what happens when we try something like this is that for a fragment of a second, we, we might think we've seen something, a piece of a leaf or the shape of an apple or some detail, some color, but then it's gone. Mm. It's super vague. So we think that I cannot visualize. But the thing is, it's that vague for everyone. There is no apple there. It doesn't work. Inner images doesn't work the way uh, it doesn't see. It's not like what we see with our eyes. It's in a completely different level. But the good news is that fragment of a second where we might think we've seen something, uh, that's just enough. It's completely enough for the brain to create a simul- simulated experiences which start to draw information to it. And then what we do to become better at this, there's actually three criteria which make you a better visualizer. So if, if we have your uh, the apple there in front of you, now the first criteria you need is to enlarge that apple. So can you see it the size of a... Uh, this yoga ball, for example, you know, that, that mm-hmm. kind of big swimming ball. Can you get a glimpse of the apple now? Okay. Because what happens then when you increase that size in front of you, it becomes, it, that's like now you're stretching your visualization muscles. This is the first criteria, making you step by step a better visualizer. Step two is that you shouldn't visualize a flat image, a photograph of an apple, but visualize in three dimensions. 
Now, try to see this huge apple in front of you as if it has sort of a depth to it also, as if it takes up space in the room. You got it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, we're even better at creating an, uh, a simulated experience here. And the third criteria is that our, our apple here should always have a be made out of real material. It's, it's no sketch of an apple. So this is real apple material, so to speak, that's in front of us. And what we now have, we have what we've singled out are the key aspects of creating a unique experience for the brain, which is separated from other experiences. Because that's the cool thing. You know, our brain can separate between hundreds and thousands and millions of three-dimensional objects. You know, there, there's no, we don't uh, single think uh, um, wrongly and mistake uh, uh, the thought of a ladder for the, the thought of a uh, uh, train, for example. You know, this, you, we can separate this. Uh, so what you, what you then start is you create these real experiences for the brain and to tie this into sleeping this is what dreaming do mm. to all our learning because it what it does is it consolidates those that all the information all the experiences we had into easily grasped uh, small uh, things it consolidates wow. them so that's being done in the dream but so this is sort of awakened dreaming conscious dreaming in a way where we consciously draw because what you do then if we read something and let, let's let's say i study law and i read uh, uh something and I visualize at the same time. I can even visualize something unrelated, uh, like an apple. I mean, I read a paragraph on theft, uh, the laws for theft or whatever. What happens is that uh, if I simultaneously visualize that apple according to this principle, which makes it a solid experiences, these inner images, they work like magnets. They draw stuff to it. Uh, so like to create this consolidated point in the brain. So then just just what we did with our podcast when we were out uh, in, the, in the park or so on, we can find our way back to the information. Hmm. So this is all about, in a way, it's about navigating in the brain. Because if we have studied, if we have focused, read the whole book on law, we have encountered the experiences, but we cannot find our way back to them. So this is just learning to navigate consciously in your brain and retrieve what we need and get gain control over this. And it's not as difficult as people say that, you, you know, when people create this fantastic, maybe you've heard about those kinds of techniques uh, where you create fantastic stories and so on. Memory palaces uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. The thing is that that's too complicated yeah. to start with. And it's too difficult to, I mean, if you should invent a, an, an imaginary story when you're studying physics. I mean, your focus has to be on the physics, mm. not on imaginary stories. I've, I've always and, wondered that, Matthias. So I've always yeah. looked at that and gone, it just feels like there's extra work, lots of extra work to try yes. and remem remember a you know, speech or to remember uh, yeah, some text you're reading. Like, I, I'd, I'd rather remember the text and <laughs> rather yeah. remember the content. Uh, and I felt that it's feels, it, it, it sounds like as if it's going to be too much work, albeit I've never really committed to any of those practices to see no, if they work. It is. 
And, you know, the key, you know, the, the brain hack for this and uh, is that when you visualize a still three-dimensional object simultaneously, that you can do simultaneously and still listen attentively to the uh, physics lecture or whatever it is. It doesn't take, you know, seeing one thing and uh, listening to another, there's no problem. We do that all the time. Uh, so that, that's the hack of it okay. uh, to really to create. A, and we can even use unrelated images, just something similar as an apple. That's one thing. So I have this, for example, I have this technique uh, where, where people use in the beginning called uh, one image per page. That when you read or study, uh, this is the next level from pl- this what we did in the beginning. Uh, but this, when, when you read a page, to visualize a three-dimensional object at the same time. I mean, if uh, if we study the law, we might, uh, for example, we we uh, read up on big uh, punishments for something. I mean, we can visualize something. Maybe an elephant. It can be unrelated. Maybe. It's have not to be even specific. important. Right. Yeah. And the brain often finds way of relating still. And I mean, if something clear comes up, uh, you can always use that, of course, but it's not needed. And then you visualize this elephant, three-dimensional, large, and so on. Then you go to the next page. Then you choose a new image. Uh, but the cool thing that, uh, yeah, you, you, a flower pot maybe for the next image, that's perfectly fine. Are you it's trying to remember... You don't uh, I, are, are you trying to remember the images? Because I could that that sounds stressful it's not, in its own right. You're not you trying to do that. You don't need no no no. You're not trying to do that. Right. The only thing you do is to visualize simultaneously okay. as you read and focus on the material. So you see something 3D large with a real material simultaneously. And there's a flower pot, the next one, and then you read through that. And then you go through the uh, what you need. And the thing is that it's always easy to come up with new images because you can always make a variation of a previous one if you need. So if, so if you have difficulties in coming up with images, I mean, you can take you can take another elephant, but now this one is standing on its hind legs and it's made out of cheese. Hmm. The cheese elephant is right there in front of you. I mean, I can immediately come up with a... 150, 200 images of elephants in yeah. different kinds of materials and shapes and everything. No problem. So and I, the, I, I have the st- idea is not to not to try and um, commit the me- those images to memory. Just visualize them whilst you're Brain reading the text. Does that by itself? That's the cool thing, right? Yeah. So what you do is after you read this uh, a chapter or so. What you do then, then you do a quick mental recap, which worked like this, that you go back in the page, start with the first page, just read at the very top until you remember what image you choose. Mm. So that will come up automatically. Oh, the first one. Yeah, it was that elephant. Uh, then you go immediately to the next page, start reading from the top. Oh, yeah, uh, there was definitely a flower pot and so on. So there's a very quick mental recap. So you don't need to memorize the whole thing, uh, the images and so on. So this is a great starting Thing when you're getting used to this three-dimensional um, visualization, because that's the cool thing that you know, visualizing objects in the size of a yoga ball—that's that's actually a standard size that you should always visualize in. So it doesn't matter if it's a uh, if it's an apple, yes, it's yoga ball size. If it's an elephant, it's yoga ball size. <laughs> 
Because if you do it the same way again and again, it becomes more and more automatized for the brain and it gets used to this, how to create these kinds of useful experiences. Would, would, um, and I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but what about if you had a series of props and you tried to use props, like physical props, uh, to look at those as and when you're reading the page versus internal visualization, would that have the same power? No, it doesn't. Because uh, a, a first thing is that the focus, you have to go back and forth from the place you can do it. You can't do it simultaneously. I mean, it's better. You can sit on the props. That's even better and then read. Uh, so, but it's uh, the, also the power in you create the experiences. That's the that's the difficult. I mean, looking at images when when textbooks uh, have images, that's a good thing. I mean, many times it helps, but it's even more powerful if you mentally go back and visualize that image because then you are making it your own. Yeah. You're creating the uh, connections in your brain for sure. And that's very much so, like the dreaming experience, right? Which I've, I've yeah. never really considered that. That memori- memori- memorization techniques look very similar to how we try and memorize via sleep. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Uh, so that that's what we do. And I mean, that, that's the cool thing. Just as with sleep, visualization makes the sort of the space in our brain bigger and bigger. So we can learn the more we visualize, the more we learn, the more experiences we have, the more can things can attach to it. So, you know, it's like that the true that true cliche, you know, that people who know a lot, they quickly learn new things. People who know very little, it's very difficult to learn the first things because we connect into the all these uh, uh, relations. Talk to me a little bit about long-term memory retention versus short-term. So you, you've spoken about being uh, these uh, memory sport competitions. And, you know, I've seen some of these on, on telly, uh, documentaries, etc., where, as you say, you're having to recite many, many things back, you know, hundreds if not thousands of objects or numbers or words. Um, and that for me is short term. That's, you know, I guess that what you're trying to do is commit that to memory for just long enough to be able to recite it within competition. But there isn't necessary utility to remember those thousand sequence of, of letters or numbers beyond that point. And at the same time, you're talking, I think, more more broadly, more applicably to long term memory um, you know, commitment. Are, are, learning, are, yes. are, they, are they the same? Are they different? Do you use different techniques for, you know, okay, I'll give you an example. I'm doing a presentation tomorrow. It's really important. You know, there's lots of people watching. I've, I've created a bunch of material. I want to do it as fluidly and organically as possible. I'm trying to rehearse at home. Uh, but there's some anxiety that I might slip up, might forget some stuff. It might go off piste. So that would be kind of more short-term learning. And then the more long-term learning is I'm reading a book, nonfiction, it's useful. I'm going to be able to commit these principles of the anatomy or biology to my memory so I can, you know, build on that and develop my understanding. Talk to me how both of these are both similar and different in how you approach them. Yeah. Just to finish off the the last chapter and exercise that with one image per page, just just what I wanted to say with that was also that, you know, I work with students who use this for all their studying materials. I mean, thousands of pages. You you never run out of inner experiences. And when to connect this with uh, memory sports, as you said, you learn useless stuff. 
random uh, digits or uh, these things. I mean, decks of cards you can't really use. And that's what, you know, 99% of the system, When if you read about the memory system, you find the best memory system, they're all for just competing in memory, not for real actual learning and how to apply this. So it's, it's uh, definitely, and, and the cool thing, I mean, visualizing when it's real information, it becomes even more easy because there's actual content. There's no content to uh, random digits, for example. So it becomes easy in a way, but everything in a way, it's, it's the same. It's all long-term memory. Even if you quickly memorize a deck of cards, that can never stick in the short-term memory. Short-term memory is basically, it's about focus. It's what you think about right now. And you cannot think about a full deck of cards right now. <laughs> it's impossible because you have to somehow, even if it's very vague and it will remain in long-term memory for a very short period of time, like you're preparing your uh, speech and presentation, for example. So, But it's still there. It's in the long-term memory. Then it's how if this is something we come back to on a longer period. For Of course, we need this kind of mental revisit where we mentally revisit our previous experiences then it can stick for even longer and lifelong learning that's what i'm uh, all about that's the in really interesting uh, things but the cool thing that what memory uh, sports proves is that in a way everyone in memory sports they use the same technique and it's all visualization oh really so uh, everyone if, if you're trying to remember a thousand numbers that you have to recite an hour from now or you're learning about law you're applying the same principles yes you always have to visualize and everyone do it because that's the only way you know our these kinds of bullshit with learning styles which have pestered education for too long now which basically claims you know this about learning styles where, where they say that um, some people, people more visual some people more yes kinetic. yeah yeah Exactly. That usually brings that result of you get more of what doesn't work because you've you've been there with headphones and oh and I must be an audio guy so I took more more audio on, on. But the thing is, we are the positive uh, message is that even though we have different likes and dislikes, different experiences, our brain. Is more sim we are more similar to each other than we might think. I mean, we have the same organ, which has its specific characteristics. You know, or each of our five senses have specific characteristics in learning and processing information. That so you cannot equate them, saying they're the same. And if you, I mean, if you want to learn quickly, you have to think in images. And we do this many times without even knowing. So I mean, if you think back on topics that came easy to you many times you were you, you started to visualize better and the people who sort of by themselves intuitively crack the school code and immediately think a bit visualize and then they intuitively then they practice that more and more because that's the how they learn and then they become really good at it they never thought about that intentional technique but that's just how they steer their brain into some some people didn't discover that intuitively and they have huge problems but it's like if you if you want to run fast you have to use your legs Sure, yeah, everyone can learn to run on their arms also, but it will always be slower and uh, so on. So that, that that's the thing. 
So, so the, the thing I'm struggling with a little bit here, uh, Matthias, and it's not your, your lack of description, it's just my curiosity that's just con- continuing course, to press yes, this shit. button, is if, if I think about myself, so I compare myself to my wife. My wife says, you know, I can listen to something that's nonfiction, you know, let's, let's use the subject of the domain I'm in, right? So, you know, wellness, well-being, fitness, uh, biology, and she'll listen to a podcast and it's got loads of factoids. It's really compelling to her. She she loves the content. Uh, but within a couple of days, she she says she has an inability to recite any of the the biological references or like what's actually happening. She forgets the process that was being described. For me, she 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 says, well, you've just got this ability to retain the theme of that discussion. Like I can pull back Okay, I read that book. It's about this. Let me talk to you about this principle within the body. I can I can bring it back quite easily without necessarily having any um, a very aware technique that I'm using at least. So we, mm. we're very different in our ability to pull back information that we're learning. But at the same time, I'll look at myself and go, Do you know what, I feel particularly weak at reciting small bits of information in the short term. So if you said to me, here's 10 digits, what did I just say? I'll get an anxiety. I'll get anxiety, and I'll I'll, I'll clearly fumble in my ability yeah. to bring that back to you uh, with the level of precision that you're looking for. So I kind of I see myself as a bit of a paradox between someone who can thematically pull back quite a lot of information from what I learn and understand the real intent behind it, but the detail, the short term detail, seems to escape me. What's going on there? Yeah. I mean, you are describing how our brain works and how we should learn. It is pulling back, seeing these connections, establishing those things, seeing the bigger images. That's how your brain, you you're intuitively found that way uh, useful and it works. And, you know, short term memory, which has to do with focus. That's another thing. I mean, there might be big focus problems where things disturb you and one, one has anxiety issues that's that's another theme in a way but that that's uh you know when you quickly have to hear and now these words do this that here that's another it, that's short-term memory that's focus that can also be trained you know i, I worked a lot because uh again memory sports we, we have uh, those uh spectacular action disciplines, you know, where we have to do things by full speed, for example, memorizing a deck of cards as quickly as possible. I can officially have done it in 79 seconds. Uh, Many people are much better than that. But for me, that was a lot, you know, one and a half second per card for per 52 cards. And my chief difficulties was not the connecting together, seeing things, but it was focus, you know. For even if as for a second I drifted off thinking about what to have for supper uh, that mm-hmm. evening, bam, you're out. You can e- you can even stop. You've lost too much time and point. It's no, you don't need to continue. You're out of it. And so I needed to train that, and that is specific training, focus training. So I use disturbance training, how to focus when things are going on in the background, very strategically. First, starting with having a, a silence, then adding loud music, then la- adding people talking when trying to do specific tasks. So, uh, which helped me enormously and almost like created a superpower in itself that I can retrain, retain my focus during even stressful situations where lots of things go on around me 
but that hasn't got to do with long-term storage at all. It's something difficult, but we need that. We need that also, especially in this day and age, with all our focus uh, uh, going into our gadgets and all the things that are going on simultaneously. I mean, the whole the multitasking myth. We but still we think we can do it. We still think that we can study, text, uh, <laughs> drive, doing all these things. We cannot. The brain, our focus, it's like a, it's our focus is like a funnel. Uh, that's our short term, uh, you know, the kitchen funnel. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, very short. You can you can all only catch a few things, very very few things uh, in it. But then you know we 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 pull the the funnel somewhere else and we pick up some other information. But you know our funnel can never be at two places at the same time. It's impossible. So there is a whole other. It's 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 not really connected in that way. But we need our short. We need our focus, of course, for long time uh, studying. But it can be trained separately. And I mean, all these these parts are. You go into it uh, step by step, you know, even this kind of to become a visualizer, a conscious visualizer. That, that's the thing. Of course, people are different in that some learn quicker, some learn slower and so on. But the main thing is what we need to learn is to become conscious vi- about visualization. Then we gain control. I mean, you can argue about genetics or if someone has a good sort of uh, memory for numbers, you know, someone can remember 10, someone 20, someone 30. I mean, uh, none of that is good. I mean, if you can remember several hundreds, then I I applaud you. Uh, But no one can do that genetically. Everyone has to train it to go into those leagues. So there's sort of small similarities, but they are all bypassed with real strategies. And that's the cool thing, that strategy outweighs genetics, uh, talent, everything having the best strategy. So what you're saying is actually uh, triggering a, a few thoughts here. So I've got um, my, my, let me start again, my sister's brother, um, I consider him a bit of a rain man type character. He's, he's completely functional socially. He's actually really funny and witty. So he's not like he's got, you know, some kind of social issues. But he has this innate ability to remember nonsense (laughs) how do you do this like he he remembers stuff about you know music generations decades before he was born he Mm. hears it once and he's got this encyclopedic retention of information none of it's necessarily overly valuable but you want him at the pub quiz because he he remembers absolutely everything. I have an exact friend like that too. And he usually, I mean, he can recite to me what I've said at parties 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. I have no clue. He he, he remembers like lines in films and programs that he might have only seen once, but he'll be able to like basically recite part of of, of the movie. Mm. How are you doing this? Because I don't think he's deliberately trying to remember but he must have systems that are allowing him to remember very effectively do you think it's because he maybe has a very strong natural ability to visualize and it hasn't necessarily been trained but it has been enforced and developed just because he's done it from the beginning well one key aspect to this phenomena is where at where are your default thoughts I mean, some people's default thoughts are 
in the past. I mean, who, if you are a little bit on the nostalgic side, you use, many times you think back on what has happened, on what has been, on what you've done, and so on. But many people's default uh, thoughts are in the future. For example, me, I'm always there ahead of things. I mean, I mean so, when I've done something, it's done. I'm always in the next focusing, which, you know, each time you think back, at some, you, you strengthen those connections, so you will have a better memory of it. So, for example, in, in my friends' league, I'm one of the worst in remembering what we've done, the memory champ. Uh, so, because I'm all, so this is just the natural way of how our brains work. So, I have to compensate that by consciously uh, creating what I need. I mean, it's like you, you, you know, having this skill, it's like you have a, it's a, I have a notebook in front of me that no one sees, that I can always write down stuff into and I can look things up. No one's seeing, it's super useful. But if there's something I don't write down mentally, of course, I'm just like anyone else. And some people, of course, you are, they have different personalities. So that's, but they, they, it's the old saying with the brain, you know, where, uh, uh, where uh, the thoughts go, also the uh, information flows and the wiring goes between the, uh, uh, right. the the connections and the neurons. So what we think about a lot, that's an area that we create a lot of com- uh, things in. And that's also, you know, the, in, in, the, this, in psychology, you know, this can lead to problems. For example, when you go over and over and over the same th- thing, when you're stuck in an, an old relationship, for example, that, that has passed. Yeah, yeah, but your your mind is again and again uh, using a super uh, memorization techniques, yeah. but cannot let go. Uh, so uh, the, the, everything has its pros and cons, uh, of, of course, but to get a little bit more conscious about how our brain works so we can work together with it. That's the thing, to learn to how to use this fantastical function uh, so we have a little bit more consciously. So that's the, to, to be conscious about this, you, know, you can use this, for example, that I worked uh, with disturbance training for focus. You can also do, uh, if you, if you uh, do a little meditation, you can do like a visualization meditation. So like do what we did, the apple visualization to sit with your eyes open and for three minutes, try to visualize an apple in front of you. So, yeah, I mean, that you get, make the brain get you. If you do a three-minute uh, visualization meditation each day, start the morning. I mean, you, uh, you set the brain in the mode of learning, of actually creating your, uh, creating your experiences in that way to be able to, to retrieve more and, and getting more used to this way of thinking. I, I love that. I love that. There's, um, there's NLP, which talks a lot about visualization to bring uh, an emotive state into your consciousness immediately right so you know I actually do a form of that myself every morning I do some form of visualization that brings to me a state of certainty and a state of optimism uh, and I do that when I have a cold shower it, it's it's a process yeah. that, and I actually use um smell as well so I've got like a you know a little little kind of um nasal thing I, I'll sniff that nasal spray mm. whilst visualizing usually with some movement and it's usually flashing five or six events in my life that have happened previously where I have been certain and I kind of reinforce and try and pull back that emotional state so then I can start my day emotionally yeah. upbeat and ready and enthusiastic so I guess that's visualization but that's not for yeah. memory that's and more th- for energy 
No, but it's the same thing that what I said in the beginning that all our days we have these experiences. I mean, seeing things in the peripheries, feeling things in the body, and that's connected with the learning and what we do and what we think about. And that's the state we're in is so important. And you can see that it's very interesting that if you, for example, if you're in a completely different state, I mean, if you're drunk, for example, and think about things, you cannot as easily get back to those thoughts when you're sober because the, the, the state doesn't allow, the different state doesn't allow those thoughts. You have to get drunk again to find your way back to that. Or if you have a fever, for example, the things you thought about, I have problems with that. I had, I had a fever a week ago and I was doing research for the next book, memorizing so much. And when being well, I had difficulty to retrieve those, even those conscious connections I made because the body was in a different state. Hmm. Uh, so that, that, that's the key. And you know, sportsmen, when you visualize, that's the thing that you create memories of the future. I mean, that hasn't happened yet, but you make the body sort of uh, to see and, and, and what you do for your state and so on to yeah. attach. This is all. So that's why I, I seldom even use the word memory because it sounds so, I mean, old, looking back, nostalgic. It's not. It's it's about learning, becoming an expert, about developing, about using your full potential and so on. That's that's the key. Oh, this is great. I didn't think we were going to go here in terms of visualization for sporting performance and, you know, having certainty about that image of the yes. future so that you can drive towards it. That connecting that with what you do I, I didn't expect that connection but I did have I did have another question on this visualization obviously this seems to be a theme for you um I I I'm and I think this is going to kind of bring us full circle back to your book because I've seen a pod um sorry a documentary or two previously where you see some of these memory experts and you have a guy come up and say I can recite pi to like a thousand decimal places and he goes about doing so, and you're like, wow. And then he mm. says, "What?" then they say, like, how are you doing this? Like, are you remembering the digits? And this just blew my mind. He said, I'm not remembering, I'm not remembering the digits. I have this, this weird visualization that is undulating and going in off in different directions, and it's organic and it's flowing. And I'm just following the path of that visualization. I'm following the path of that image that's created in my mind. And it's telling me the number. And I'm like, what? Mm, exactly. <laughs> That's a bit weird. Uh, it's not. Does, does where that, we memorize does digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't uh, memorize. We, we don't remember a single digit in itself. We create a separate experience. But we can always connect that experience to a digit. But when we write down there, row after row of random digits, it's like we see those digits for the first time because there's no memory of them. That's not the thing. But the, the cool thing in this, when you focus on the understanding and real life learning, uh, you know, there hasn't really d been done before about my book. Uh, previously, there hasn't been done a book about mathematics and memory training because the interesting thing with mathematics is that you don't need to memorize stuff for it you know it's all about understanding it doesn't matter if you forget a result if you understood the concept you can always find your way back to that result uh, when is you need what, it is that what you're saying yeah yeah by logic and by gra you grasping the different uh aspects of the the, the different uh uh things uh theme in mathematics uh so but you do that, need you do remember sorry you do remember lots of 
um, stuff around maths to make it easier. Like, for example, if you had to do arithmetic uh, and do your times table every time from scratch, that would just take too much computational yeah, yeah, power. Yeah, yeah. So eight times eight is 64. I haven't, I haven't worked course. that out. I've remem- remembered that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that we will get into now. Uh, but the thing is, what you don't need is 100 facts. For example, if you study history, you need to recite, you need to know uh, so many dates and so on. You don't need any of that in maths. You have to focus on remembering the right things. But, you know, since I want to memorize understanding, so to speak, for for example, in in the math book, together with a mathematician called Per Sundin, we did it together. He is a PhD in theoretical physics. He is a master of math. He's a, a top researcher in string theory. He's well too advanced wow. for this. But uh, we did this together that we created a world where you created a world of inner images, and automatically. By stepping into this world, by just following these straightforward visualization instructions, you automatically learn everything from basic arithmetics up to more, much more advanced uh, learning, grade uh, 11, 12 uh, maths real maths by go stepping into these uh, images. For example, I, I can tell you about one exercise uh, where it, it gets a little bit more uh, advanced, but then you have to visualize a cow that is sleeping on a field. Can, can you see a cow sleeping? Mm-hmm. If, if he, to his, uh, to his right, it's his head, and then is the feet in the other uh, way. And then you visualize a man coming up, starting to lift this cow up by the head. It pulls it by the horn, start to lift this cow up. And, you know, this is a guided visualization, which takes maybe 15 minutes. But exactly, you can see, I can describe then exactly how this man lifts the cow and what it looks like. And the thing is that everyone can follow it. Everyone can get a glimpse of it, that's that's always enough when it comes to visualization. You you get, you get, a, get a glimpse, but uh, the funny thing after these fifteen minutes, all of a sudden, everyone who's done this exercise can estimate a sinus value and a cosinus value for all possible angles. Really? And you know, people who've always hated math say, "No, no, no, it's too complicated math. I cannot do it." But Wait a minute, if if he lifts the cow there, the cow is there, okay, cosinus, oh, it's about more, a little bit under one. Sinus should be at uh, more or less about, I mean, you start to reason like a mathematician. Wow. So, so, so are, this, are you, are you, remem- are you like memorizing these cosine values at the same no, time as looking at the cow? Not, no, no, you, you, you do only that. There's huh? not one number memorized. Huh? This is real understanding. This is creating the experience you need to under- always understand to be able to estimate cosinus and sinus and get a clear, separate uh, experience for this that can be separate, that you don't mix into other stuff. So this is a sort of a new way how we should learn. I mean, this is uh, this is the way we learn. So so this is for people who've had trouble with learning math uh, in uh, in school that way. You know, who never grasped it. I mean, this is a completely different way to do it, and you can still get to that same professional a good level. 
Could you but, do so this, could you do long multiplication via this technique? Does it help? Uh, yeah, it's not about counting. Uh, I mean, what, what is it called uh, in English? I mean, by doing by heart. But it's all these things to how, for example, we have an exercise uh, how you can help your kids to quickly learn the whole multiplication tables very, very quickly. You can do it in an hour and it will stick with them in a fun way where you have fun together. Not, I mean, I mean, I see so many school children who are just stuck with that because you just have to write the same thing five times uh, four. You just write the same time uh, thing again and again, but create experiences of it. It sticks immediately. You can learn quickly. So, of course, there is memorization, but we only learn the key things. And it uh, it hasn't been done before in a book. And the cool thing, it was actually... Uh, uh, the UK's one of the UK's oldest book publishers uh, called John Murray, uh, who it's been around, I mean, for uh, hundreds of years, they discovered this uh, book and saw that it hasn't been done before. So they now released it. It's out there. You can find it uh, in, in book places. Uh, and, and this actually means that I'm on the, now on the same publisher as Charles Darwin. Oh, fantastic. Just you know, no, uh, oh, sorry, stop stop bragging there. <laughs> but if I could ask, because this is just released, if I could ask your uh, uh, listeners for something, if you pick up this book from amazon.co.uk, please, some bastard gave it a one-star review saying that it's not super advanced mathematics, which is not, never claimed to. I mean, this cover people have trouble. So please, if you give it a rating uh, and send me an email, I will give you a great memory gift. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a problem. So just buy it there, put in a review for it. I'll give you a good, so you can continue to train with this. I'll give you material online uh, for free if, if you do, do this uh, service for me. Well, I'm definitely going to do that. I've actually got it down on my um, my Apple Books um, oh. list of things to read. I will take a look at that because I am curious to generally develop in my visualization skills, my memory skills. Um, I've I've studied maths, further maths at school, but most of it's gone. If I'm honest, uh, at least mm-hmm. it, maybe I can bring it back with a little bit yeah, of work. A, but it feels like it's gone. <laughs> this is a quick way to just brush off to fill the uh, to connect the dots to fill the missing links, so you can go through it then quite quickly if you've nice. done it once. But it's in a new and a quick way. What, so sorry for, for what, that plug. Age, but uh, for what age is this appropriate? Could my nine-year-old read this, or is it for adults no, you to read? Help, you can help your nine-year-old. Uh, But that's the thing. People have trouble with maths. You have to start from the beginning, but we do it rather quickly uh, because maths, it's chronological. It's not like history where you can start in any uh, place, basically. You have to have certain cornerstones in the math. And that's the problem when when people had difficulties, they fell off for a year or even just a month or an important week in school. I mean, they can be stuck there and not having the ability to learn any of the things that come after because so all this so we quickly go over those blocks from the beginning so if you have children you can uh, use it for them to help they cannot of course read that thing and it, but it goes up to grade 12 so it's rather gets uh, quite far still and you get the uh, by using this sort of sidestepping our traditional uh, frightenedness of maths i mean that's the most sensitive topic you notice that when you work with this i mean because it's so much associated with you being intelligent or not but this is just 
now we we sidestep that with in strategies. That's the I key. I love that. I love that. I have one last question for you, Matthias, before I leave you be. Um, I'm not quite sure how long it's going to take to answer, but I am curious as to whether there's an effect. And it is around what other things can affect your memory. In particular, we've spoken about sleep already. I know that's super important. Um, what about nutrition? Is oh. it, do you do you pay attention to nutrition to optimize the way you think, the way you learn, the way you memorize? So much. I mean, I'm a nutrition freak. You know, I write my I'm writing my fifth book uh, currently. So, which means I get up at uh, uh, four in the morning when I'm late. I'm trying to push it down to three, uh, and you know. To be able to do this for a period of time, I need to be super strict with food and everything. I'm totally into a ketogenic diet. I've been for a long time. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm completely sort of a, the, the caveman approach uh, to food, which is totally natural. Why, uh, why are you doing that? Are you doing keto because of health, because of performance or because of your memory? Like, What's the driving force behind using a keto diet? Well, the health benefits, they are a bonus for me, but having the mental stamina and energy to write a book in this uh, tough schedule that, that I have doing lots and lots of other stuff as well. To be able to, I mean, if I don't eat strict, I might be able to pull myself up at 5 a.m., but then being super tired. But being on a ketogenic diet, I can go up and well rested at 4 a.m., no problem. So that that is my main drive uh, with that, and you know, I did this when I back when I was competing in memory sports. I started in uh, 2010 discovering uh, what they then called LCHF, low fat, uh, low uh, low carb, high fat diet. It uh, there was a lot of debates of that in in Sweden at that time. I started to use that strictly, which the the name ketogenic diet didn't so exist then, at least not in my circles. But I started using that only eating sort of meat and uh, vegetables above ground, very strictly, three weeks before any competitions, only to get my brain into uh, fat, uh, to run on fat mode. And what I saw, because these memory competitions are so uh, stretched out in time, you know, from early mornings to late in the afternoons many times. You have to switch off and, and switch on for a new discipline that's coming up. And everyone, of course, had problems in the afternoon with their dips and so on. And I wanted to hack that. Yeah. Uh, so people have problems. So some, everyone knows that you cannot down a bowl of uh, pasta because then your results would go down. But so then people in memory sport then try, oh, I have a healthy salad, but then they're hungry. They, they, then I can't, then they won't be able to sustain that either. So they try to time their ups and downs with chocolates here and there, just the right timing. So I starting to get my diet correctly. I could just laugh at that because you get into becoming this sort of what we in Sweden call the Duracell rabbit. Uh, so you have access to uh, this next and next and next and next. Uh, uh, you can just go on this um, stamina over time, mental stamina over time. That I would say is the large impact of a good diet which is to the it's in the caveman direction i mean that's how we are our brains have evolved <laughs> that's the thing that that's the thing i study when it comes to how uh how well-being and how we should sort of how um multitasking and so doesn't work it's all about uh, evolutionary looking back how has our brain developed into what we have now you are preaching 
to the converted. <laughs> uh, I, I find there's just so much wisdom in our evolutionary past, and yet we're allowing technology of the last 50 to 100 years to dictate how we should live, when mm. we should really be looking with a much wider lens and looking about, you know, how did we thrive? How did we go from, you know, primates in the trees to, you know, the specimens we are today? And we've mm. done that in yeah. large through our hunting and diet, but people don't want to acknowledge that because it doesn't seem to fit the dogma de jour, you know, what people want to be, you know, decisions they want to be making, whether ethically or otherwise. The reality is, you know, our diet has a big part to play in how oh, cerebral yeah. we are. Um, and the fact that you're seeing that as someone who leans in on, you know, memory and learning and how how impactful nutrition is to you, that's really, really powerful. And mm. I, I wanted to ask you a sub-question to that, which is, when you do indulge in carbs, maybe, and maybe you don't, but maybe you have a piece of cake or a brownie, or you go out and you say, oh, I'm going to have some potatoes tonight, or whatever it is, do you notice an impact when you have those in carb indulgent days? Yeah, I don't do it sort of a days. I have sort of longer periods. Uh, so, been, but what I nowadays called because I'm doing, I've always had the focus of lifestyle, not diet. I mean, to include things in lifestyle that can be sustainable. Mm. And people would uh, who look at me now, a normal day would might say it extreme, and I don't need carb days, and I don't need uh, those things. I've had them, of course, been slowly building up for for, for many years and so on. But of course. Yeah, but I give myself, this is now super strict when in a period of focused writing, then I'm going to give myself much more slack for uh, a couple of months after that and so on to go into the flow or whatever is going on because, you know, there's a whole of the family, the everything, everything has to get into uh, the mix. Uh, but the thing is that it's it's possible to get this right. And as you said, that with nutrition, to have the evolutionary approach, uh, also how it connects with our brain and focus on new technologies that we can, with the right knowledge, we can hack it. You know, we, we actually don't eat like a caiman. We, we don't gnaw on, you know, eat on the bones. I mean, chewing the brosques in between the bones. Uh, I don't even know the names in, you know, getting the right kind of collagen in that way. No, we, we cannot really do that, but we can hack it. And with the knowledge of the uh, evolutionary by adding, for example, collagen protein, we, we, we can hack the, the, the be running on fat by adding MCT oil, for example, just as we can do with our technology life, that it's not about going back to getting uh, uh, getting technology out, but it's, it's, but it's in using them uh, in a way that fits with, I mean, the smart hacks, that's what, what we do. And this gives us a direction. And I think pretty much everyone who gets into it, they discover the um, absolutely measurable results of, of better feeling better and performing better all over yeah. this place when you have that. I mean, it's a, you have to be able to see that in different areas of your life, because in a way we, we have one full life. You can be super with nutrition, but if everything else fall apart, it doesn't really matter how many hours you go. Then the gym can even be an escape thing from difficult things that you have to. So all these things to, to work on your close relationships and so on, these are the things that really, yeah. really matter. Do you have any brain superfoods. You talk about the ketogenic lifestyle or a kind of fat adapted 
way of eating, thus you're you're mostly driven through short fatty acids and butyrate and ketones, etc., versus you know lots of blood glucose. And 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 you know, I think it's unequivocal when people get into that state. I'm I'm in it right now, and mm. I'm a, I just have a sharpness and a clarity, uh, a higher mental and emotional position generally i just feel a little bit more with it and on it um but do you have any specific superfoods in this realm that you go that they enable you to be slightly sharper whether it be omega-3s whether it be butter whether it be mct oil i mean what what are your go-to like if i supplement with this or if i eat enough of this real food i just feel i feel the benefits yeah, of course, there are the, the basics that should always be covered, like uh, vitamin D, uh, magnesium, uh, omega-3s that you should always have sort of in your standard stack. But apart from those important things, I try really to uh, be cyclical with things. I mean, if I get into one supplement for uh, for boosting the brain for a, a while, but then being consciously switching, being off it and so yeah. on to really to give it a, a varied thing. But the things I come back to, the, the, of course, there, there are those basic supplements. There's, of course, and they need to be of high quality. Of course, people like you and me, we get into the sourcing and what kinds of magnesium is it? How is it absorbed in the body? Not to get those trash supplements which gives the whole nutrition area a bad name because they don't work. They, the body don't even take them up and so on. So, But it, it has to be, the basis is good food. That, that's always has to be the base. You can't go to McDonald's every day and then try to uh, f- eat supplements inside of that. You would, you would feel like uh, crap anyway. Uh, but things like Bulletproof Coffee, it's uh, been a huge uh, part of my day for so many years now. So we're something talking I, caffeine, uh, MCT oil and butter? Is that, is and that your combination? Butter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. With uh, Without uh, unsalted butter. And you do uh, that mo- most mornings, do you? Yeah, 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 definitely. Always when at home. That's how I start. Uh so, but but that's I mean it's difficult. You you need to learn your own react some course, some yeah. problems with uh, with butter and so on. You have to find different uh, uh, ways of going about. We some people are very sensitive to caffeine who could never do that. Uh, that that's you can even measure that in genetics uh, to see if you have that uh, breaking down of coffee uh, gene sets <laughs> to to get a number of it. But so, of course you have to adjust. But uh, I mean this. This is an adventure, discovering your own possibilities, that there are more steps you can take, which we are not taught in school and in science. You know, science is so, it's just so, it's islands of specialities, studies, mm-hmm. but it's up to our everyday life to connect the dots together and to, to make it, turn it into a whole life. Uh, where we sort of have to, but it, it, it's possible. And when you when you get when you see the fantastic results that you can have from all this, it, it's. I mean, I, I was uh, to get back to, to what we talked about in the beginning. I was I was almost angry when I learned about these way of memory techniques and so on because no one has said in school that these things are possible. No, I've never. And, no one ever spoke to me about what you've spoken to me ever. Yeah, in, in, like, in, not in schooling at least. No. Yeah, all things are the focus on what 
to learn, not how to go about. And that's the thing also in careers, everything is with what, 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 what should I do? What career should I have? But, I mean, if we focus on how we live our life and then the, the whole new plethora of opportunities open up and uh, we, we can feel much better at the same time. I think that's a great end to this chat. You've been brilliant, Matthias. Honestly, I lo- love this chat. It's fascinating. Uh, I'm highly curious to kind of want to learn more. I could see how I can lead a better life if I can engineer a greater level of understanding and optimize my learning experience, optimize my retention. I know that'll benefit me. I think most people instinctively know if they had better memory, they they would lead a slightly better life, maybe a, a greatly better life. So I think what you're doing is fantastic work uh, and you describe things in a really engaging way do you just want to wrap a bow around this and just help people understand where they can read more about some of your principles maybe watch watch a video i don't know what other stuff you have available to help increase people's knowledge and understanding of optimizing their learning yeah, well, I have so much material in Swedish, but uh, also do have some uh, English material. And I would say also in the book Maths Unwrapped, even if you're not super into maths, I sort of filled it with tidbits and, and smart advice and uh how to go about to stutter other areas also so you can use it for other I've sort of sprinkled that in throughout the whole book I mean because you need this this whole wholeness approach so there's a lot of tips on how to learn even other things in that as well so uh, if you want to pack up that uh, that'd be a great way to because it's it's nice to have a, a, a on, like a ready set curriculum you don't have to make up the exercises uh, your own and yeah. so on so you can find my uh, my web pa- page grandmaster of memory it's not really super updated with the book yet because i'm fully into writing the next one and hopefully more will come in english uh, now but you have some various courses that people can pick up on on that website as well if they they yeah and just ma- just uh, mail me I-, I can't do private coaching uh, but uh, uh, i'm easily uh, available uh, mostly lovely are you on social media at all uh, not now for five months when writing the book. <laughs> Complete social media fast. Okay. Because I'm like Probably everyone else. Thing. I get stuck in it. I get stuck in it otherwise. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Don't don't look on social media for Matthias if you want any <laughs> current up-to-date stuff. <laughs> cool. All right, lovely. Thank you so much for today. And um, We'll get this out in a couple of weeks' time. As it draws closer, I'll share you the link so you can share with your, your group as well. But again, Excellent. thank you so much for today. It has been a true pleasure. Thanks, Steve. It was a blast. You know what? I feel just a little bit smarter after that conversation with Matthias. And to be honest, I am shocked with just how powerful yet simple the techniques are that people like Matthias use to remember inordinate amounts of detail. And the more I think about it, I'm actually quite a visualizer myself. I visualize about the future constantly and always kind of concocting up ideas of how I could be better or how I can make the world better. And maybe I use those same skills in my efforts to try and remember the stuff that I remember. How do you remember? How do you develop your memory? How do you learn? I'd love to hear it. Hit us up at adaptnation.io and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. And whilst you're there on adaptnation.io, do check out the Be Your Best journey. I'll say no more than that other than the fact this is a unique and incredible experience of helping you be your best. 
And I'm guessing that's something you want. So go check it out. And if it resonates, don't procrastinate. Decide to be your best. All right, go. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.